to the LA Public Health Podcast for Friday, July 23rd, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin. And today's episode covers the COVID-19 press briefing held yesterday, July 22nd, including an update from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidance on COVID-19, you can follow our department across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Dr. Ferrer. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for today's briefing. Uh, This afternoon, I'll be talking about our trends in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. And I'll provide an update on cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, both by age, uh, race, and ethnicity, and by vaccination status. I'm also going to, as always, offer an update on vaccine delivery and outreach information about the Delta variant and post-vaccination infection cases, information today about some worksite uh, outbreaks, including outbreaks in skilled nursing facilities, and information, uh, obviously, about the latest health officer order requiring indoor masking. Uh, We can start with the first slide. Uh, We are continuing to see a very rapid rise in transmission countywide, with cases doubling over the last 10 days. Uh, We're reporting 2,767 new cases today. This is an 80% increase over the last week. And this does bring the total number of cases in LA County to 1,276,137. To date, more than 7.2 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County. Our daily test positivity rate is 5.26%. This is an increase from a rate of 1.2% on June 15th when physical distancing restrictions and capacity limits uh, were lifted across all sectors. Our daily average case rate with a seven-day lag is now 12.9 cases per 100,000 people. This is also a significant increase from last week's rate of 7.1 cases per 100,000 people. There are 645 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19 an increase of 30 people uh, over the last uh, day or two. Uh, There are currently 100 open investigations at residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. I'm sad to report 13 additional deaths today. Eight of the people who died had underlying health conditions. And this does bring the total number of deaths to 24,607 across LA County. We do share our deepest condolences with those of you who have lost your friends, loved ones, and family during this very difficult time. According to the CDC, this daily increase in cases to the high level where we are now puts us in the category category of substantial uh, transmission. And considering that we've reported over 1,000 new cases nearly every day over the last seven days, uh, the daily average case rate is at a community transmission level Uh, without uh, considering that seven-day lag. I'll go on to the next slide. Uh, As you can see from this table, which shows the CDC indicators and thresholds for community transmission of COVID-19, as I noted, community community transmission is now at a level of substantial transmission. Uh, For this reason, we issued the health officer order uh, over last weekend that required masks to be worn in indoor public settings countywide. We can go on to the next slide. Uh, This graph shows trends in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths across the county 
from the beginning of the pandemic through July 14th of this year. You can see looking at the rightmost part of these trend lines that cases represented by the green line have risen extremely rapidly over just the past two weeks. And while cases are still at a much lower point uh, than they were during any of our other peaks, the rate of rise is quite high. Between July 3rd and July 16th of this year, our seven-day average case number increased by 135%. The last time we saw case rises uh, this quickly as they are now was back in early December of last year, and that was during our very worst surge. A little more than a year ago on July 1st, 2020, we were seeing almost the same exact number of cases that we're seeing right now. However, it's important to note that the rate of hospitalizations as represented by the orange line on the chart was much, much higher. On that same day, we had 1,906 people hospitalized for COVID, while today, although that number is so much higher than it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, the number is 645. We're accustomed to seeing hospitalizations rise as what we call a lagging indicator compared with cases uh, as they increase. Uh, this is a trend you can observe looking at these uh, at the trend lines here on this graph, both during our wintertime surge and our summer 2020 surge. Because of this lag, we still believe it's too early to say with 100% certainty whether the small uptick we're seeing in hospitalizations is the beginning of a small wave of hospitalizations or the start of a more devastating surge. We are hopeful, however, that with so many of our highest risk residents fully vaccinated, we'll not see the same rate of increase in hospitalizations that we saw last year. And while deaths represented here by the blue line have not yet begun to significantly increase, there have been small increases among members of some populations that we'll need to watch carefully for another couple of weeks to assess the impact of increased cases and hospitalizations on our death rate. I'll take the next slide. Uh, this slide shows case hospitalization and death rates by race and ethnicity from the two week period ending on June 12th, alongside these same metrics a month later for the two week period that ended on July 10th. As we've been reporting previously over the month preceding July 10th, all groups have now seen an increase in cases with the highest case rate observed among black residents, whose case rate in this time period increased from 43 cases per 100,000 people to 181 cases per 100,000 people. That's an increase of 320%. We've also seen significant increases in case rates for all groups with an increase of 182% among Latinx residents, 361% in white residents, and 371% among Asian residents. It's notable and deeply troubling that the more recent case incident rate in black residents is more than twice that in white residents. And it's also notable that now white, white residents who have traditionally experienced lower case rates than Latinx and black residents are the group with the next highest case rate. Over the same interval, hospitalization rates have been trend trending upward by 35 to 90% among Black, Latinx, and Asian residents. And we've also seen deaths begin again, a slight trend upward among Black residents. These considerable increases uh, are a demonstration of the increased circulation of the highly transmissible de Delta variant, which I'll detail uh, further in a few minutes. Next slide. 
Uh, this slide looks at the age distribution of cases over the entire pandemic. And as you can see from the latest trend lines and from the table to the right of the slide showing rates as of July 15th, cases are rising fastest in young adults between the ages of 18 and 29. And that's indicated by the light brown line among whom the case rate was recently uh, about 25 cases per 100,000 people and also increasing uh, for those uh, between the ages of 30 and 49, among whom the case rate was 18 cases per 100,000 people. Next slide. Uh, here you can see the trend lines that look at hospitalization rates by age, and you'll note that the rates are higher with the higher age group, uh, with the highest hospitalizations among people 80 and over, and that's represented by the white line. Um, and this speaks to the higher vulnerability of older people uh, to the more severe effects of this infection. And even with our very high rates of vaccination, uh, older people are still more likely than others uh, to be hospitalized um, with this increased circulation of the Delta variant. We'll go on to the next slide. We've been detailing the rise of the Delta variant among strains sequenced in the LA County area for weeks. The reason that we, like so many in the United States, are especially concerned about this variant is because it's more easily spread between people, more than other variants of concern. Some early studies on this variant's replication in the human respiratory tract suggest that it's faster replication, higher viral load, and greater affinity for the lower respiratory tract cells compared with earlier COVID strains is making it more efficient at spreading from person to person. And while emerging data affirms that fully vaccinated people are well protected from severe infections with Delta variants, people with only one vaccine are not as well protected, and there's increased evidence that a small number of fully vaccinated individuals have become infected and may be able to infect others. This slide does show that the variants identified by both the public health lab and the group of other California labs from 9,243 specimens that were linked with LA County residents uh, have in fact, um, again, continued to demonstrate that Delta variants represented by the bright yellow bars uh, are in fact the most commonly sequenced variant in LA County. And this has held true since the beginning of June. We can take the next slide. Uh, this is just a trend line that shows the trajectory just of the Delta variant among the specimens that are sequenced by labs serving Southern California, including our own public health lab. The number of sequences collected between July 11th and 17th that had Delta variants isolated was 201. And that's 84% of all sequences that were collected that, that week. And you can see that obviously on the blue trend line on this table. This is consistent with the rise of Delta nationwide. Earlier this week, CDC estimated that Delta strains accounted for 83% of circulating COVID. Given that about 4 million residents in LA County are not yet vaccinated, the risk of increased spread of this variant within our county obviously remains high. We'll take the next slide. Because of the Delta variant's extraordinarily high capacity for transmission, we've also now begun to see a rise in outbreaks at places where people work or live in close quarters. After several weeks of very low weekly numbers of outbreaks, we've seen increasing outbreaks in settings that serve people experiencing homelessness. In the two-week period between July 4th and the 18th, there were 22 such outbreaks. 
We've also seen rising numbers of outbreaks at work sites and facilities with eight work sites and six food facility outbreaks reported during this uh, short time interval. The last time we saw upward trending rates at these levels was early in the pandemic during the last two weeks of April uh, 2020, when the rate of increase in settings serving people experiencing homelessness went from 12 to 23 in just one week. We'll take the next slide. We also track outbreaks in healthcare settings, uh, which were at particularly high risk early in the pandemic due, due to the low availability of PPE, close contact between highly symptomatic people, healthcare workers, and others who were in the environment, and the high density of people with comorbidities in these environments. The risk profile of healthcare settings has since changed with widespread PPE availability and vaccine uptake high among healthcare workers and people who live in long-term care facilities, including our skilled nursing facilities. And so it's notable that despite increasing outbreaks in other settings and rising community transmission, we're not seeing significant increases in outbreaks in healthcare settings where high rates of vaccination and universal masking are in place. We can take the next slide. Between uh, May 20th and June 20th of last year, a time during which case rates ranged between 1,500 and 2,000 a day, slightly lower than where we are now, we had 52 outbreaks in skilled nursing facilities. These outbreaks initially involved 1,350 cases in residents and 981 cases among staff. By the time these outbreaks had been fully investigated, they were found to involve 2,331 cases, 575 hospitalizations, and devastatingly, 333 deaths. This, of course, took place during a time before COVID vaccines existed. Contrast that with what we have seen in skilled nursing facility outbreaks over this past month. The eight outbreaks identified during the same time period, uh, as noted here, June through July, the beginning of July, uh, involved 17 cases among residents and two cases among staff. Notably, we now have full vaccination rate of about 85% among skilled nursing facility staff and residents. And although our case rates have only recently approached the rate sustained during the earlier period, the number of outbreaks we're seeing and of outbreak-associated cases is in orders of magnitude very different. To date, these outbreaks have only grown to include two more cases for a total of 19 and have led to only one hospitalization and so far, no deaths. Although we're still early in our latest case increase, these differences do demonstrate the power of widespread vaccination to prevent severe COVID outcomes, even amongst the highest risk scenarios. We'll take the next slide. It's for this reason that our vaccination efforts remain so critically important to reducing the impact of rising infection uh, among our residents. As of July 18th, we have administered more than 10.8 million doses to residents 12 and older, including more than 6 million first doses and more than 4.8 million second doses. This means more than 6 million LA County residents have received one dose and more than 5.3 million are fully vaccinated. We'll take the next slide. This slide shows how we're doing at vaccinating specific age groups of LA County residents. As of July 18th, we vaccinated 88% of LA County residents 65 and over, 70% of residents 16 and over, and 69% of residents 12 and over. 
We vaccinated 39% of LA County teens between the ages of 12 and 17. And out of all of our nearly 10.3 million LA County residents, including those who are not yet eligible for the vaccine, 52% are fully vaccinated and 59% uh, have received at least one dose. We'll take the next slide. Uh, we do continue to vaccinate Angelinos at low but steady rates. And last week, after months, or really after weeks of steadily declining weekly vaccination numbers, we saw an uptick in first dose recipients. Between July 12th and the 18th, we administered uh, just about 57,000 doses across the entire county network. That was an increase of about 2,000 from the previous week. And as we know, uh, those numbers are likely to go up as we get complete reporting from all the sites. We are immensely grateful to everyone in this county who's done and continues to do their part by getting vaccinated and by helping to educate family, friends, and neighbors and coworkers about vaccine safety and protection. Our sense of urgency to increase vaccination among our residents remains high, and we're glad for any signs of increased vaccination uptake. I will take the next slide. We nevertheless continue to have large gaps in vaccination between age groups and racial and ethnic subgroups. As you can see on this slide, we continue to see gaps among teens and younger adults. Among both the 12 to 15 and the 16 to 17 age groups, about one third to one half as many black and Latinx teens and about two thirds to three quarters as many white and American Indian Alaska native teens are getting vaccinated as their Asian counterparts. This data also shows significant gaps among young adults, 18 to 29 year olds. 29% of black adults in this category and 44% of Latinx adults have been vaccinated compared to 60% of their white and 77% of their Asian counterparts, between one half to two thirds fewer. The disproportionality also persists among our 30 to 49 year olds. In this group, vaccination rates among black adults are one third to nearly one half lower than rates among Asian and white residents in this age group. Looking at the totals by age group running across the bottom of this table, you'll note that vaccination rates are generally higher in older age groups. And with transmission on the rise, we're particularly gratified that so many of our seniors are protected by vaccines. But to really beat back transmission, we do need to see other age groups reach high levels of vaccination. It's very concerning to see gaps persist among young and middle-aged adults who are such an important part of our workforce. Meanwhile, I wanna note, looking at the totals in the rightmost column, that we're seeing the lowest levels of vaccination among groups where we've seen the highest rates of transmission, hospitalizations, and now deaths. We remain very concerned about the low levels of vaccination among our black residents and among other teens and young adults as transmission continues to rise and we do urge full compliance with the indoor masking requirement so that we can get back to reducing community transmission numbers. Slowing the spread not only protects vulnerable unvaccinated residents, it also reduces the chances of more mutations that can result in more infectious variants that evade vaccine protection. We'll take the next slide. Uh, as always, uh, to close the gaps, uh, we do have to continue efforts that make it as easy as possible for eligible LA County residents to get vaccinated by offering vaccines at as many different sites across the county as possible. 
As you can see on this map, this week there are 771 sites offering vaccinations. These include pharmacies, clinics, community sites, and hospitals. Uh, and many of our vaccination sites are concentrated in areas that have the lowest vaccination coverage. As a reminder, you can obtain vaccines at county-run sites, at all the LA city-run sites, almost every mobile site, and many community sites without an appointment. Uh, many sites are open on weekends, and many have evening hours. So please check vaccinatelacounty.com if you need to find a site near you. I'll take the next slide. We have continued with the strategy for improving access to vaccines by having mobile vaccination teams take vaccines into neighborhoods to reach people who may have limited ability or time to get to one, to one of the established vaccination sites. The blue markers on this map indicate the 329 sites where our mobile teams will be offering vaccinations this week. And again, these are concentrated in the higher need areas. The mobile vaccine teams continue to work with employers and community organizations to provide vaccines and information about them at convenient locations where residents gather. And as a reminder, there's a form on our website where you can request a mobile team to come to a community event, a community site, or workplace. Um, so please, uh, employers and event organizers, just let us know when you want us uh, to uh, come to one of your sites uh, and you want to host a vaccination clinic. Uh, we do have sites that are set up at retail stores, parks, recreation centers, and lots of other gathering places all across the county making it as easy as possible for residents to get vaccinated. We'll take the next slide. One important question we try to answer is how this increased transmission in LA County is affecting people of different vaccination status. What you see here is an illustration that while not to scale, it's intended to try to help explain the different ways that we look at the data to answer different questions. In this illustration, the green box on the left represents fully vaccinated people, while the orange box on the right represents people who are not fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, the white boxes within and slightly overlapping the large boxes represent cases, hospitalizations, and deaths that occur in a mix of people who are fully and not fully vaccinated. One way you could look at the data and the way we've most commonly looked at these data during the past press briefings is by looking at all of the people in the green box of fully vaccinated folks and counting the number of people in the white boxes, counting COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths among this group of fully vaccinated people. And by analyzing this data, we're able to see how well vaccines protect the people who receive them. However, it does not tell us what proportion of cases, hospitalizations, or deaths are among fully vaccinated people compared with the proportion of those same outcomes that are among non-fully vaccinated people. To be able to answer what proportion of our outcomes are happening in fully vaccinated people compared with people who are not vaccinated, we can instead look at all the people in each of the white boxes who were identified as cases, or they were hospitalized for COVID, or they died from COVID, and who are made up of a mix of both vaccinated and unvaccinated people. We can then count up the number of fully and non-fully vaccinated people in each group, and for each outcome, we can compare what proportion were fully vaccinated or not. The next slides are going to look at the data in these different ways to try to answer the different questions. We'll go to the next slide. First, in this calculation of the proportion of fully vaccinated people who test positive for, are hospitalized for, or tragically pass away 
due to COVID. This graphic, which has previously been shown, presents these numbers in LA County, and please note that the circles are not to scale. Looking at positive tests in the group of more than 4.8 million LA County residents who achieved full vaccination status from the time we began vaccinating in December through July 20th, we identified 6,520 people who tested positive for a COVID infection contracted more than two weeks after they were fully vaccinated. And I do wanna note this is an increase of 58% from the approximately 4,100 post-vaccination cases we detected last week. This new number translates to 0.13% of fully vaccinated people who have tested positive, and that's up slightly from last week's 0.09%. The rise in hospitalizations among fully vaccinated people was much smaller, we went from 213 hospitalizations to 287. That's uh, from about 0.0045 to 0.0059% of all fully vaccinated people. And deaths uh, in this group also increased much less dramatically from 26 to 30, again, with the increased vaccinations. Uh, and it went from 0.0005 to 0.0006%. Next slide. Now we can also look at the spread of fully and non-fully vaccinated people among cases. This bar chart shows the proportion of each month's positive COVID test results in unvaccinated and partially vaccinated cases. That's represented by the orange portions of each bar and the proportion of positive test results in fully vaccinated cases. And that's represented by the much smaller green slices that you're seeing at the top of each bar. Since February of this year, when fully vaccinated people made up fewer than 0.5% of cases, the total number, the, the number of total positive cases has dropped substantially as millions of residents were vaccinated. Meanwhile, as more people have gotten vaccinated, the proportion of total cases that are among those vaccinated has slightly increased. This is to be expected because as more people are vaccinated, the number of fully vaccinated people becoming infected can increase. In June, fully vaccinated people represented 20% of all cases diagnosed amongst LA County residents, while unvaccinated and partially vaccinated people accounted for 80% of the cases. I want to sort of uh, explain that if, 50, if the 50% of our residents that are now fully vaccinated were not vaccinated, not only would the green slices not exist, but the orange portions of these bars would be much larger. They perhaps double in size because everyone would have instead the same risk of infection as unvaccinated people do. So while our numbers have been going up, they would be much higher if we didn't have as many people uh, fully vaccinated. We can go to the next slide. This graph, uh, which is updated from uh, what Dr. Davis showed last week, uh, shows case rates among vaccinated and unvaccinated LA County residents. As you can see over the last few weeks, case rates have risen precipitously among unvaccinated people. And while cases are also rising among vaccinated people, the increase is much smaller and much slower than it is in unvaccinated people. Unvaccinated people have more than five times the risk of becoming infected than vaccinated people. Our county's case rate would be likely much higher if we didn't have so many vaccinated people. So again, I wanna note that we're extremely grateful to everyone 
who has helped reduce potential transmission by getting vaccinated. We can go to the next slide. On this slide, you'll see the monthly uh, rates of infections, hospitalizations, and deaths per 100,000 people among fully and non-fully vaccinated people over the month of June 2021. Over the course of this month, the infection rate among fully vaccinated people was about 27 uh, infections uh, per 100,000 people, while it was 125 infections among people who were not fully vaccinated. We saw similar differences in the magnitude and hospitalization rates, which were about two hospitalizations per 100,000 fully vaccinated people and 11 hospitalizations per 100,000 people who were not fully vaccinated. And the pattern persists in deaths where the rates were 0.1 death per 100,000 fully vaccinated uh, people uh, compared to 0.9 deaths for every 100,000 non-fully vaccinated people. This past year and a half taught us to fear the kinds of increases in COVID cases that we're seeing now because waves of cases have always translated into waves of hospitalizations and deaths. And it's not yet clear that we're gonna see that same pattern with this wave, uh, in part uh, because we as a population are very different. More than half of our county's residents, including those most vulnerable to the worst effects of the virus, are now fully vaccinated. And what we're seeing in other countries with similar rates of vaccination that have been experiencing a surge in cases attributed to the Delta variant, where uh, widespread vaccination looks like it's disrupting the usual pattern. In the United Kingdom, where 54% of the population is fully vaccinated, 700 cases are being diagnosed daily. And that's within striking distance of the 800 daily cases that were seen at the peak of the country's wintertime surge. And yet the nation's death rate is almost 1 30th of what it was at the nation's peak, and hospitalizations are also relatively low. In Israel, where 58% of the population is fully vaccinated and daily cases have risen exponentially since mid-June, daily deaths remain in the low single digits. Some level of community immunity seems to be protecting people in these countries as a whole from the kinds of mass tragedy we all witnessed earlier in this pandemic. And that is hopeful news and it's further proof to us that increasing vaccinations to as high a level as possible uh, is our best way to get back to very low rates of community transmission. Next slide. And while there, there's ample proof, and I've shared a lot of it with you, that vaccines remain our most powerful tool to reduce spread of the virus, the Delta variant, because it's so much more infectious than any other virus strain we've seen, requires us to add additional layers of protection to slow transmission as we're working to increase our vaccination rates. Not only is the Delta variant much easier to transmit to others, included to those who are fully vaccinated, but along with this increase in community transmission comes the threat of new mutations that may be even more dangerous than the Delta variant. That's why we're asking everyone to wear masks. Masks are an important additional layer of protection that makes it harder for there to be transmission among both unvaccinated and vaccinated individuals. Vaccines and masks work together to protect us. If you think about this pandemic as like a weather event, vaccines are like our umbrella, excellent protection on most rainy days. But when the rain gets really intense, for example, during a bad thunderstorm, we might also throw on a raincoat. 
in the same way with transmission intensifying, we're asking you to also add a mask. While vaccinated people can be reassured about the protection the vaccine gives you from severe COVID disease, we cannot re yet reassure you that given the proliferation of the Delta variant, the vaccine protects you from in infecting another person. This is why masking up right now is uh, really important and what it's about. It's adding an extra layer of protection to prevent the heartache that comes from transmitting the virus to others. We can go to the next slide. Last weekend, as you all know, we published a new health officer order requiring masking in indoor public settings, regardless of vaccination status. There have been some questions about applying the guidance in this order in special situations. So I just wanna take a moment to answer some frequently asked questions. In crowded outdoor areas that are partially enclosed by walls, respiratory viruses are transmitted more the way they are inside than the way they are in wide open outdoor spaces. For this reason, the masking requirement applies in these partially walled areas of outdoor venues, like concourses and concession stands. At larger gatherings and event spaces, such as at hotels or event halls indoors, masks are required. Similarly, masking is required indoors at houses of worship. And while we don't require masking at private gatherings, uh, you know, in your house, uh, if we are recommending, if there are unvaccinated or immune comp compromised people are present, uh, please uh, think about universal masking in these scenarios, particularly if you're indoors, as a way to protect everyone. Meanwhile, if you're eligible for a vaccine but have not yet been vaccinated, please consider getting vaccinated now. As we approach the start of the school year, the best way to set ourselves up for a successful school reopenings is to get as many teens vaccinated as possible. And right now, as I showed you, only 39% of teens 12 to 17 in LA County have received one dose of the vaccine. If you're, if you're a teen or you're a parent of a teen and they can get their first dose today, they'll be partially protected within a few weeks and fully protected by early September. We also wanna do everything we can to get vaccines out to communities that need them. And we have a robust system of mobile clinics, which you can invite out to your worksite, house of worship, or community event. And uh, as always, if you want to request a mobile clinic, you can go to ph.lacounty.gov, uh, and then you can click uh, on additional resources at the bottom of our vaccine website, uh, and it will take you to find a vaccination provider for your organization, which takes you to a form, and that takes you to having us send a team to your site. The vaccines are not perfect, but I think as I've shown today, they're an excellent protection from COVID. We choose on a daily basis to protect ourselves using imperfect methods. For example, while seatbelts don't prevent every bad thing that can happen during a car accident, they do provide excellent protection, uh, so much so that we all use them routinely. It wouldn't really make sense to not use a seatbelt just because it doesn't prevent all injuries from car accidents. I like to think about COVID vaccines in the same way. Rejecting a COVID vaccine because they don't offer 100% protection really ignores the powerful benefits uh, that we've experienced uh, for those people who have in fact uh, gotten vaccinated and for our community as a whole, as we've been able to reduce transmission with higher rates of vaccination. I know that um, this isn't the only barrier for many people 
and that there's still a lot of rumors and bad information circulating about vaccines. For answers to some common questions about vaccines, you can visit your primary care doctor or check out our webpage addressing vaccine misinformation at the resources section on our website. I'll go on to the next slide. Uh, we're so grateful to everyone who does their part to protect themselves and their communities, and we continue to be able to extend thank you gifts to residents who come in to get vaccinated. I want to express my gratitude to the many partners who are working so hard to improve vaccination coverage across our county. We appreciate the support of our sports teams, event venues, and local attractions in helping to encourage those not yet protected to get informed and get vaccinated. Beginning tomorrow through next Thursday at all of the county-run vaccination sites, the LA City sites, and St. John's Wellchild and Family Center sites, everyone 18 and older coming to get a vaccine has an opportunity to win one of seven packages of tickets to an array of concerts, concerts that are presented by. We greatly appreciate the generosity of our partners at AEG. With their support, seven lucky people and a whole lot of their friends will get to enjoy both protection by vaccination and some exciting shows at terrific LA County venues. You can see the official rules on the county website for details. And over the next week, we ask that you try to make some time to get your vaccine. Thank you, and now I'll take your questions. Our first question will come from uh, Patrick Healy with NBC Los Angeles. Hello, Dr. Furr. Um, lot to digest this week. Um, that 20% of all cases in the in the vaccinated, it also appears that uh, the percentage of people requiring hospitalization is increasing. Um, to what do we uh, attribute this? Is Delta actually continuing to evolve so that it is even more contagious and more virulent? And then if I may, a couple of more, uh, looking at the county data, I noticed there are extreme hotspots uh, on the west side, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, and the Hollywood Hills. Uh, to what do we attribute that? Uh, a number of bars are now requiring uh, vaccination proof. Is that something you would consider making countywide requirement? And finally, uh, vaccination rates still remain low among public safety workers, how important is it to get those vaccination rates higher? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Um, let me let me just start at the beginning of the list. Um, uh, is, you know, it's a, it's a great question that you're asking about is is the Delta variant actually evolving and, and creating even more problems for us. And we don't actually have a definitive answer on that. I will, however, say that when you have a more infectious variant that's circulating uh, and you see what we see now, lots of community transmission, uh, you can expect exactly what we're seeing. Lots more people getting infected, including more people who are fully vaccinated. So when we had very low transmission, if I, as a fully vaccinated person, was in a room with a lot of unvaccinated people, but only two of them uh, were infected, my chances of getting infected were really, really small, uh, even if it was the Delta variant. But if I now I'm in that same room uh, with a lot of unvaccinated people, I'm fully vaccinated still, but instead of two cases of people who are infected in the room, 
there's now 30 cases of people who are infected in the room, my chances, even as a fully vaccinated person, have just gone up. Um, so partly what you're seeing is when there's more community transmission, it affects most uh, prominently everybody who's unvaccinated. You have the highest risk of now getting uh, infected, but also even for those who have the protection of uh, our vaccinations, which still provide a lot of protection against getting infected, if you've got like more people around you that are infected, you've just increased your chances, even as a fully vaccinated person of getting infected. Um, but one of the reasons why, you know, weeks ago we were recommending people keep their face coverings on is the Delta variant is a game changer. And as we learn more and more information about the Delta variant, we're recognizing that it creates additional threats uh, to everyone in our community. So, you know, hopefully people can go ahead and comply with our directive to please keep your face covering on when you're indoors, whether you're vaccinated or you're not. Uh, I agree with you, Patrick, that there are hotspots. Uh, some are on the west side. There are some in other parts of the county. Uh, we're working um, to, to actually identify uh, what may be the sources of some of the increases uh, that we're seeing. I mean, one thing for certain is in places where there's a lot more intermingling indoors, uh, so that would include, you know, in particular at bars and nightclubs uh, where people may not be wearing their face coverings, um, we're going to see more transmission of this virus, particularly with the Delta variant. Um, and in communities where people are now intermingling at much higher rates than they might have been before, uh, and we still have, as we've noted, lots of people not yet vaccinated, uh, we're going to see these increases. Uh, we're going to be uh, working, obviously, closely with our supervisors about uh, really targeting, uh, especially around education and opportunities for vaccination in the communities where we're seeing uh, these, as you noted, these very big spikes uh, uh, in case rates. Uh, I, I want to commend the bars that are being creative about trying to maintain uh, their operations with as much safety as possible and certainly uh, requiring that your patrons come in with either proof of vaccination or that they've had a negative test result uh, in the last uh, couple of days is, is very helpful. Uh, and I'd like to just um, point out that, you know, it really uh, businesses can can help by piloting uh, some of these strategies uh, and seeing uh, how effective they are at reducing transmission, particularly among your employees. We do have uh, a number of outbreaks that uh, have, in fact, occurred, uh, worksite outbreaks that are occurring at bars. Um, there's, you know, again, lots of uh, risks there for transmission if people aren't wearing their masks and they're not vaccinated. Uh, at this point in time, you know, we're really very focused on two things getting as many people vaccinated as possible and making sure that people are putting on face coverings when they're going indoors. Um, and, and hopefully that gets us back to slowing the spread. But I do note that if you're in a high risk setting, uh, making sure that people are vaccinated or that they're negative is, is an excellent strategy. Uh, in terms of uh, vaccination rules for, you know, our, our first responders, uh, public safety folks, you know, I, I want to say that, you know, the task right now, while these vaccines are still under emergency use authorization, 
is to get good information out to everyone about the vaccine safety to answer people's questions and really accelerate the pace of us being able to get vaccine into everyone's arms. Uh, and that's what I want to concentrate on for the next uh, few weeks is is really making sure that people have the kind of information uh, that they need to make a good decision about a uh, comfortable decision about coming in to get vaccinated. Uh, and I appreciate again that uh, once these vaccines have been fully approved by the FDA, there may be places where it really makes perfect sense uh, to think about uh, mandating uh, vaccinations or vaccinations plus testing for those not vaccinated uh, because uh, there are settings that people work in where there's, uh, you know, really other very high risk people uh, that we wouldn't want to. Uh, get infected. So, but right now, I think the task for all of us is really do a good job on building that confidence and making it easy for everyone to get vaccinated. We'll take the next question. And that'll come from uh, Jackie Fortier with KPCC. Hi there. Um, could you please uh, talk about the denominator of the the breakthrough cases? I, I'm I'm wondering if testing is is decreasing, and and I guess kind of what that means. And then um, if you could go over, I'm sorry, there's a lot of information. If you could go over the data on the severity of the cases among the breakthrough cases, I mean, are they older people for whom the vaccines may not work as well? Or do we have any demogra demographic info on the breakthrough cases? And then um, finally, do you have any idea of what percentage of July cases that you expect are breakthrough? Yeah, thanks so much for those questions, Jackie. I, I like to talk about this as, as post-vaccination uh, cases, um, post-vaccination infections, uh, because um, really, in many ways, the vaccines have been very effective at preventing people who are fully vaccinated from getting very sick. And in fact, um, we're compiling data right now that shows that if you are uh, post-vaccination infection, uh, your chances of sort of both ending up in the hospital, ending up in an ICU, ending up intubated are much less uh, than the chances of that happening if you're somebody who's unvaccinated. So you're right to note that um, there is evidence that we continue to look at that shows that even for those fully vaccinated people that get infected, uh, they're much less likely uh, to get as ill as unvaccinated people to require hospitalization and uh, and to pass away. Uh, so hopefully uh, next week we'll have, you know, we'll have more detailed information on those uh, post-vaccination infections and, and we'll be able to share with you that detail around severity of illness. Because um, I agree with you, it's important to note. Um, I'm not sure if I understood your question about uh, you know, is is what's in this 20%, what's the denominator? Um, the not denominator of that is uh, all of the cases that we had in the months of June. And, you know, I'm trying to go go to that slide so I can uh, give you that exact number. But that that's what the denominator is. The denominator is the number of, the total number of cases. Um, and so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have that. Um, I don't have that exact number with me, but uh, what it looked at is of all of the cases that we had in June, uh, which, you know, I don't know, I think it was a few thousand cases, uh, how many of those cases occurred amongst people who were not fully vaccinated and how many of them occurred amongst those who are fully vaccinated. I'm happy to get you the actual case numbers. 
Uh, I don't have those numbers in front of me, uh, but again, it's a 2080, it's a 2080 split. 80% of the total number of cases occurred amongst people who were not fully vaccinated. 20% of them occurred amongst people who were fully vaccinated. And then the number, the total number is, I think, close to, to 4,000 cases, but I, I'm not actually sure of, of the actual uh, number there. So uh, we'll make sure that our team reaches out and, and gives you those, those actual numbers. So thanks. We can take the next question. And unfortunately, we're at our, our uh, time. Uh, so I don't know if you want to provide any closing thoughts, Dr. Furr. Um, maybe we should just take a couple more questions. Uh, if there are a couple of questions uh, in the queue, Tim, just because sure. there was a lot that got presented today. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So we'll, we'll go to uh, Ron Lind with uh, LA Times. Okay. okay. Hi, Dr. Furr. Thanks so much for taking our questions. Um, uh, three questions. The first is, so, you know, when we looked at some of your data showing, you know, per capita rates of coronavirus cases, some of the, the higher areas were areas that were surprising, as Patrick mentioned, downtown LA, West Hollywood, Venice, Hollywood, Beverly Hills, Studio City. While some of the areas with the lowest case rates were places we would expect like South Pasadena, but others were surprising like East LA, Oil Heights and Pico Rivera, wondering if you could explain why that might be. Second, the fact that white residents now have a work now, the fact that white residents now have a worse case rate than Latinos is at odds with previous trends. Why do you think this might be uh, the case? And then finally, I can imagine a lot of fully vaccinated people uh, might freak out at hearing that 20% of all cases in June were among vaccinated people. Is But is do we have a kind of a sense on whether you know many of these people were asymptomatic or, or, or mildly ill? Um, and, um, and, you know, this isn't particularly that surprising is, is, is there a difference between the, the virus being detected and it's just in your nose versus it causing, you know, um, a lot of problems, uh, health wise. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, those, those are great questions, Ron. Let me, let me start with the last one. Um, because I, I think it is important to provide a lot of reassurance to everybody who's vaccinated. Um, yes, uh, we had a significant increase in the numbers of people who were fully vaccinated and tested positive. And, and you're absolutely right to note the vast majority of those folks um, only experienced either no illness or very mild illness. So very few of them, that's why it's important to look at like how many end up in the hospital. Very few of them uh, ended up hospitalized um, and, and even smaller numbers ended up passing away. Um, so yes, uh, if you are fully vaccinated, you have a lot of protection, which is what the vaccines have always been uh, their best at, protecting people from serious illness and death. And these vaccines, uh, even with the Delta variant, are holding up uh, really well. In Israel, you know, which again, they've had a few more weeks of dealing with the Delta variant than us and have done some more research studies, the vaccines are 93% effective against the Delta variant in preventing serious illness and death. And I think we're seeing, you know, very similar numbers uh, here in the United States. Um, I, I think it's, it's also important to note that the more people that are vaccinated, just in terms of numbers alone, uh, the more people who are vaccinated uh, uh, who will end up testing positive. So, you know, if you if you increase the numbers, then you're going to just end up with more people testing positive without necessarily uh, changing so much uh, the proportions here. 
but I do think uh, the one thing uh, that it's important to note, although you know we're still looking for conclusive studies on this, is uh, based again uh, data from Israel, data from the UK. It looks like the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine against um, the transmission of um, infection to fully vaccinated people is somewhere at about 83, 85%. Now that is still uh, incredibly high. And when we went into this, uh, the vaccines really promised us uh, that they would prevent serious illness and death. And there were big question marks about how much uh, fully vaccinated people would be prevented from getting uh, the virus. And it turns out even with the Delta variant, which is definitely a wrecking havoc across our country and others, uh, there is still so much protection uh, for people who are fully vaccinated, especially in comparison to those who have no protection at all because they're not vaccinated. In terms of the second question um, that I have is, is you know, sort of what are what are you what are we seeing around uh, this rise in you know sort of per capita cases, you know, really surprising us in in where we're finding the the highest rises. Um, and, you know, I agree with you, we've looked at this data as well. We're very grateful because we've done a, a lot of work uh, in some of the East LA communities um, to see that we're not seeing uh, such a significant spike there. Uh, and we're saddened that in some other communities, uh, we are seeing these big spikes. Uh, we think it may have a lot to do with changes in people's behavior. Um, and, you know, again, as more people are intermingling, as they're taking advantage of our full reopening, uh, if people are unvaccinated, and in all of our communities, we have significant numbers of people still unvaccinated, uh, that's where that's where this virus is going to go. And it's going to go there swiftly because it's highly infectious. Um, so uh, for people who are hanging out uh, indoors, not wearing masks and not vaccinated, um, I think this uh, vaccine is is going to, I mean, this virus is very quickly going to find you if you don't come in and get vaccinated. In terms of the increase uh, that we saw amongst the uh, case rate for white residents, again, I, I think uh, we have a, a change in uh, the way we're all interacting with each other. And uh, while we have some uh, relatively high vaccination rates, uh, in the white uh, community, among our white residents, uh, not high enough uh, to prevent people from getting infected. Um, and particularly when you start looking at this data for younger people who are intermingling a lot, uh, if they're unvaccinated, uh, we're going to see um, these increases. I think I, I think I got to all your questions, Ron. Uh, can we do one more? Yeah, we can take one more. Okay. All right. We'll go to uh, Claudia Pescuta with uh, KNX. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and just to follow up, I think what Jackie was asking you is how many of the breakthrough cases may have been among people whose immune systems might not react so well to vaccination. Okay, my questions. How much of a role do you think breakthrough cases may be playing in the increase in transmission? Because we're talking about increases in some groups and places that seem unexpected. And I'm wondering if fully vaccinated people may have had like a false sense of security, um, assuming that they were not only well protected from serious illness, but also from just infection, getting infected and transmitting to others. Do you think it might have been helpful to put out the information on breakthrough cases as a percentage of new cases 
earlier to kind of get people to be a little more careful and avoid activities that, that could have spread the virus. And then do you think it's time to update testing guidelines so that fully vaccinated people who've had a known exposure get tested even if they have no symptoms? Thank you. Yeah, let me let me start with the data issue. Um, you know, we we have been uh, sharing the data uh, as we're able to clean it. I mean, obviously, very complicated and requires a lot of manual work to track down um, all of the post-infection uh, cases amongst fully vaccinated people. So I want to a credit our team. Uh, we're one of the first counties that's actually able to present some of this data. Uh, and we're finally able to have uh, gotten enough data that we could look at this, not just cumulatively, which is where we've been for a while, but clean it up enough that we can assign episode dates and look at it by month. And, and that is why we're sharing it. Uh, but we have uh, all along said that there have been uh, cases of positive people amongst fully vaccinated uh, folks. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Davis presented data last week and I presented data on this. Uh, the week before. Uh, this is the first time we've been able to do such a deep dive into it. And I, I want to thank our team here for working so hard on that. Uh, they actually interviewed about uh, 2,000 people who had been fully vaccinated and were now infected. Uh, and in that group, so that's about 50% of what we had been reporting on. In that group, um, we did not see a very big difference between uh, fully vaccinated, unvaccinated people in terms of comorbidities. So they pretty much both looked uh, similar, uh, but that again, it, it's not the full group. It's just a small sample of that group, but we didn't find uh, this issue that, you know, more of the people who were seeing uh, post uh, vaccination infections were in fact uh, seriously uh, immune compromise, not in the small sample uh, that we looked at, but again, we'll keep looking at it uh, to try to get a, a more complete picture. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I, you know, we're sharing the data as, as soon as we have it um, in, in a form where, you know, we can feel like it's, it's very reliable. People can count on it. Um, and, and as everyone is noting, I mean, what we, what we really saw was this very big increase and, Yes, we think the numbers can go up again in July because there's just so much more community transmission. Uh, and that's going to, no matter what, just translate in higher numbers for both unvaccinated people where it'll be the highest and then some smaller increases amongst uh, vaccinated people. But yes, those numbers will go up uh, as until we get community transmission back under control. And hopefully, you know, masking uh, is going to get us there more quickly. So thanks for that, and I'll, I'll turn it back over to Tim. Uh, again, want to appreciate everyone. Uh, I know this was complicated, so if we didn't get to your question, you know, please go ahead and, and send it in. Um, there was a lot here today, and uh, we apologize for, for trying to get in so much information, but this is the first opportunity we've had to really talk about uh, what we know about post-vaccination uh, infections. So we wanted to present what we, what we already have and what we already know today. Gracias por acompañarnos en la sesión informativa de hoy. Esta tarde hablaremos sobre nuestras tendencias de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes y brindaremos una actualización sobre casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes tanto por edad, raza y etnia como por estado de vacunación. 
una actualización sobre la entrega y divulgación de vacunas, información sobre la variante Delta y casos de infecciones posteriores a la vacunación, información sobre brotes en el lugar de trabajo, incluidos brotes en centros de enfermería especializada, e información sobre nuestra última orden del oficial de salud que requiere el uso de mascarillas en interiores. First slide, please. Seguimos viendo un aumento muy rápido en la transmisión en el condado eh, con casos que se han duplicado en los últimos 10 días. Hoy estamos reportando 2,767 casos nuevos, un aumento del 80% con respecto a la semana pasada, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,276,137. A la fecha se han realizado pruebas a más de 7,2 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados de las pruebas al Condado de Los Ángeles. Nuestra tasa diaria de casos positivos con base en las pruebas es de 5,26%, un incremento de la tasa del 1,2% que teníamos el 15 de junio, cuando se eliminaron las restricciones de distancia física y los límites de ocupación en todos los sectores. Nuestra tasa de casos promedios diaria con un retraso de 7 días es ahora de 12,9 casos por 100,000 personas. También un aumento con respecto a la tasa de la semana pasada de 7,1 casos por 100,000 personas. Hay 645 personas hospitalizadas actualmente con COVID-19, un aumento de 30 personas durante la semana pasada. Actualmente hay 100 investigaciones abiertas en entornos no residenciales colectivos y entornos no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. Nos entristece informar hoy sobre 13 muertes más. Ocho de las personas que murieron tenían problemas de salud subyacentes. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a 24,607 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Compartimos nuestro más sentido pésame con aquellos de ustedes que han perdido amigos, seres queridos y familiares durante este momento difícil. Según los CDC, este aumento diario de casos al alto nivel en que nos encontramos ahora nos coloca en la categoría de transmisión de alto contagio. Y considerando que hemos reportado más de mil casos nuevos casi todos los días durante los últimos siete días, esta tasa promedio de casos se encuentra en un nivel de contagio comunitario sin el retraso de siete días. Next uh, slide, please. Como puede ver en esta tabla que muestra los indicadores y umbrales de los CDC para el contagio comunitario de COVID-19, la transmisión comunitaria en el condado de Los Ángeles está ahora en el nivel de contagio sustancial. Por esta razón, emitimos una orden del oficial de salud durante el fin de semana que requiere que se usen mascarillas en entornos públicos cerrados en todo el condado. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las tendencias de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes en nuestro condado desde el comienzo de la pandemia hasta el 14 de julio de este año. Al observar la parte más a la derecha de estas líneas de tendencia, Puede ver que los casos representados por la línea verde han aumentado extremadamente rápido en las últimas dos semanas. Y aunque los casos todavía están en un punto mucho más bajo y lo fueron durante cualquiera de nuestros picos, la tasa de aumento es bastante alta. Entre el 3 y el 16 de julio de este año, nuestro número de casos promedios de 7 días aumentó en un 135%. La última vez que vimos los casos 
que los casos aumentaran tan rápidamente como ahora fue a principios de diciembre del año pasado, durante el peor momento de la pandemia. Hace poco más de un año, el primero de julio del 2020, estábamos viendo casi el mismo número exacto de casos que tenemos ahora. Sin embargo, la tasa de hospitalizaciones representada por la línea naranja en el gráfico fue mucho, mucho más alta. Al mismo día tuvimos 1,906 personas hospitalizadas por COVID-19, mientras que hoy ese número es de 645. Estamos acostumbrados a ver el aumento de las hospitalizaciones como un indicador rezagado en comparación con los casos, que realmente aumentan solo de dos a tres semanas después de que comenzamos a ver que los casos aumentan. Esta es una tendencia que puede ver al observar estas líneas de tendencia durante nuestro aumento de invierno y nuestro incremento de verano de 2020. Debido al retraso que todavía Todavía creemos que es demasiado pronto para decir con certeza si el pequeño aumento que estamos viendo en las hospitalizaciones es el comienzo de una pequeña ola de hospitalizaciones y el comienzo de un pico más devastador. Sin embargo, tenemos esperanza de que con muchos de nuestros residentes uh, de mayor riesgo completamente vacunados, no veremos la misma tasa de aumento en las hospitalizaciones que vimos el año pasado. Y si bien las muertes representadas aquí por la línea azul aún no han comenzado a aumentar significativamente, ha habido pequeños aumentos entre los miembros de algunas poblaciones que tenemos que vigilar cuidadosamente durante un par de semanas más para evaluar el impacto del aumento de casos y hospitalizaciones en nuestra tasa de mortalidad. Next slide, please. Esta diapositiva muestra las tasas de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes por raza y etnia del periodo de dos semanas que finaliza el 12 de junio con estas mismas métricas en un mes después para el periodo de dos semanas que finaliza el 10 de julio. Como hemos informado anteriormente, durante el mes anterior al 10 de julio, todos los grupos vieron un aumento en los casos con la tasa de casos más alta observada entre los residentes afroamericanos, cuya tasa de casos aumentó de 43 casos por 100,000 personas a 181 casos por 100,000 personas, un aumento de 320%. También hemos visto aumentos significativos en las tasas de casos para todos los grupos con aumentos del 182% en los residentes latinos del 361% en los residentes blancos y del 371% en los residentes asiáticos. Es notable y profundamente preocupante que los casos más recientes en los residentes afroamericanos son más del doble que en los residentes blancos y que ahora los residentes blancos que tradicionalmente han experimentado tasas de casos más bajas que los residentes latinos y afroamericanos son el grupo con la siguiente tasa de casos más alta. Durante el mismo intervalo, las tasas de hospitalización han tenido una tendencia al alza de 35 al 90% en los residentes afroamericanos, latinos y asiáticos, y hemos visto que las muertes comienzan a aumentar 71% entre los residentes afroamericanos. Estos considerables aumentos demuestran el aumento de la circulación de la variante Delta, altamente contagiosa, que detallaremos en unos minutos. Next slide, please. 
Esta diapositiva muestra la distribución por edad de los casos durante toda la pandemia y como puede ver en las últimas líneas de tendencia y en la tabla a la derecha de la diapositiva que muestra las tasas al 15 de julio, los casos están aumentando más rápidamente en adultos jóvenes entre las edades de 18 a 29 años, indicado por la línea de, co de color café claro, entre quienes la tasa de casos recientemente fue de casi 25 casos por 100.000 personas y entre 30 y 49 años, entre quienes la tasa de casos fue de 18 casos por 100.000 personas. Next slide, please. Aquí puede ver las líneas de tendencia que muestran las tasas de hospitalización por edad y observará que las tasas son más altas cuanto más alto es el grupo de edad, con las tasas más altas de hospitalización entre las personas de 80 años o más, representadas por la línea blanca. Esto habla de la mayor vulnerabilidad de las personas mayores a los efectos más graves de esta infección. Next slide, please. Hemos estado detallando el aumento de la variante Delta entre las cepas secuenciadas en el condado de Los Ángeles durante semanas. La razón por la que nosotros, como tantos en los Estados Unidos, estamos especialmente preocupados por esta variante es porque se contagia más fácilmente entre las personas más que otras variantes de preocupación. Algunos estudios preliminares sobre cómo esta variante se replica en el tracto respiratorio humano sugieren que se replica más rápido, tiene una carga viral más alta y tiene una mayor afinidad por las células del tracto respiratorio inferior en comparación con las cepas anteriores de COVID. Estos factores la hacen más eficiente para contagiarse de persona a persona. Y aunque los datos que han surgido afirman que las personas completamente vacunadas están bien protegidas de infecciones graves con la variante Delta, las personas con una sola vacuna no están tan bien protegidas y hay evidencia creciente de que una cantidad pequeña de personas completamente vacunadas puede infectarse y puede poder infectar a otros. Esta diapositiva muestra las variantes identificadas tanto por el Laboratorio de Salud Pública como por un grupo de otros laboratorios de California a partir de 9,243 muestras vinculadas con los residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles. Las variantes Delta están representadas en amarillo brillante en las barras de este gráfico. Como puede ver en este gráfico, la variante Delta ha sido la variante secuenciada con más frecuencia en el condado de Los Ángeles desde principios de junio y ahora representa la mayoría de las variantes de preocupación identificadas por los laboratorios. Next slide, please. Esta línea de tendencia muestra la trayectoria de la variante Delta entre las muestras secuenciadas por varios laboratorios que prestan servicios en el sur de California, incluido el Laboratorio de Salud Pública del Condado de Los Ángeles. El número de secuencias recolectadas entre el 11 y el 17 de julio tenían variantes Delta aisladas fue de 201, es decir, 84% de todas las secuencias recolectadas esta semana. Esto está representado en esta tabla por la línea de tendencia azul. Esto es consistente con el aumento de la variante Delta en todo el país. A principios de esta semana, los CDC estimaron que las cepas de Delta representaron el 83% del COVID circulante. Dado que alrededor de 4 millones de residentes en el condado de Los Ángeles aún no están vacunados, el riesgo de una mayor propagación de esta variante dentro de nuestro condado sigue siendo alto.
Next slide, please. Debido a la extraordinaria alta capacidad de propagación de la variante Delta, también hemos comenzado a ver un aumento en los brotes en lugares donde la gente trabaja o donde vive, en especial si son espacios reducidos. Después de varias semanas de tener un número muy bajo de brotes semanales, hemos visto brotes crecientes en entornos que atienden a personas sin hogar. En el periodo de dos semanas, entre el 4 y el 18 de julio, hubo 22 brotes de este tipo. También hemos visto un número creciente de brotes en lugares de trabajo, instalaciones uh, con ocho brotes en lugares de trabajo y seis en instalaciones de alimentos reportados durante el mismo periodo. La última vez que vimos tasas con tendencia al aumento en estos niveles fue al comienzo de la pandemia y durante las últimas dos semanas de abril de 2020, cuando la tasa de aumento en los entornos que tiene la población sin, sin hogar pasó de 12 a 23 por semana. Next slide, please. También hicimos un seguimiento a los brotes en entornos de atención médica que tenían un riesgo particularmente alto al comienzo de la pandemia debido a la baja disponibilidad de equipo de protección personal, contacto cercano entre personas con bastantes síntomas, trabajadores de la salud y otras personas en estos ambientes y la alta densidad de personas con enfermedades preexistentes en estos entornos. El perfil de riesgo de los entornos de atención médica ha cambiado desde entonces con una disponibilidad generalizada de equipo de protección personal y una alta aceptación de la vacuna entre los trabajadores de la salud y las personas que viven en centros de atención a largo plazo, incluidos los centros de enfermería especializada. Es notable que, a pesar del aumento de los brotes en otros entornos y el aumento del contagio comunitario, no estamos viendo un significativo aumento de los brotes en los entornos de atención médica, donde existen altas tasas de vacunación y uso universal de mascarilla. Next slide, please. Entre el 20 de mayo y el 20 de junio del año pasado, tiempo durante el cual las tasas de casos oscilaron entre 1,500 a 2,000 por día, al igual que lo hacen ahora, tuvimos 52 brotes en centros de enfermería especializada. Estos brotes involucraron inicialmente 1,350 casos en la residencia y 981 casos en el personal. Para cuando estos brotes se investigaron completamente, se encontró que involucraban 2,331 casos, 575 hospitalizaciones y 333 muertes. Esto, por supuesto, tuvo lugar durante un tiempo antes de que existieran las vacunas. Compare eso con lo que hemos visto en los brotes en los centros de enfermería especializada durante el último mes. Los ocho brotes identificados durante este tiempo han involucrado 17 casos en residencia y dos casos en personal. En particular, por ahora tenemos una tasa de vacunación completa de aproximadamente el, 80, el 85% del personal y los residentes de los centros de enfermería especializada. Aunque las, nuestras tasas de casos se han acercado solo recientemente a las tasas sostenidas durante el periodo anterior, el número de brotes que estamos viendo y de casos asociados a brotes es diferente en magnitud. A la fecha, estos, bros, estos brotes solo han aumentado para incluir dos casos más para un total de 19 y solo han provocado una hospitalización y ninguna muerte. Aunque todavía estamos en las primeras etapas de nuestro último aumento de casos, estas diferencias demuestran el poder de la vacunación generalizada para prevenir resultados graves de COVID incluso en los escenarios de mayor riesgo. Next slide, please. 
Es por esta razón que nuestros esfuerzos de vacunación son de vital importancia para reducir el impacto del aumento de la infección entre nuestros residentes. Al 18 de julio hemos administrado más de 10,8 millones de dosis a residentes de 12 años o más, incluidas más de 6 millones de primeras dosis y más de 4,8 millones de segundas dosis. Eso significa que más de 6 millones de residentes del condado de Los Ángeles han recibido una dosis y más de 5,3 millones están completamente vacunados. Next slide, please. Esta diapositiva muestra cómo estamos avanzando en la vacunación de grupos de edad específicos de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles. Al 18 de julio habíamos vacunado al 88% de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles de 65 años o más, al 70% de los residentes de 16 años o más y al 69% de los residentes de 12 años o más. Hemos vacunado al 39% de los adolescentes del condado de Los Ángeles entre las edades de 12 y 17 años y todos Nuestros casi 10,3 millones de residentes del condado de Los Ángeles, incluidos los que aún no están en los grupos aprobados para recibir la vacuna, el 52% está completamente vacunado. Next slide, please. Seguimos vacunando a los habitantes del condado a tasas bajas pero constantes y la semana pasada, después de meses de números de vacunación semanales en constante descenso, Vimos un aumento en los receptores de la primera dosis. Entre el 12 y el 18 de julio, administramos 56,951 dosis en toda la red del condado, un incremento de alrededor de 2,000 con respecto a la semana anterior. Estamos inmensamente agradecidos con todos en este condado que han hecho y continúan haciendo esta parte al vacunarse y ayudar a educar a su familia, amigos, vecinos y compañeros de trabajo sobre la seguridad y la protección de las vacunas. Nuestro sentido de urgencia para aumentar la vacunación entre nuestros residentes sigue siendo alto y nos alegra ver cualquier signo de una mayor aceptación de la vacunación. Next slide, please. No obstante, seguimos teniendo grandes brechas en la vacunación entre grupos de edad y subgrupos raciales y étnicos. Como puede ver en esta diapositiva, seguimos viendo brechas entre los adolescentes y los adultos más jóvenes. Entre los grupos de edad de 12 a 15 años y de 16 a 17 años, entre un tercio y la mitad de los adolescentes afroamericanos y latinos y cerca de dos tercios a tres cuartos de los adolescentes blancos e indígenas americanos nativos de Alaska se vacunan en comparación con sus homólogos asiáticos. Los datos también muestran brechas significativas entre los adultos jóvenes de 18 a 29 años. El 29% de los adultos afroamericanos en esta categoría y el 44% de los adultos latinos han sido vacunados en comparación con el 60% de los blancos y el 77% de los asiáticos, entre la mitad y dos tercios menos. La desproporción también persiste entre las personas de 30 a 49 años. En este grupo, las tasas de vacunación entre los adultos afroamericanos son entre un tercio y casi la mitad más bajas que las tasas entre sus homólogos asiáticos y blancos. Si observa los, to los totales por grupo de edad que se encuentran en la parte inferior de esta tabla, notará que las tasas de vacunación son generalmente más altas en los grupos de mayor edad y, el, y con el contagio en aumento estamos particularmente complacidos de que muchos de nuestros adultos mayores estén protegidos por las vacunas. 
Sin embargo, para realmente combatir la transmisión necesitamos ver que otros grupos de edad alcancen altos niveles de vacunación. Es muy preocupante ver que persisten las brechas entre los adultos jóvenes y de mediana edad que son una parte tan importante de nuestra fuerza laboral. Mientras tanto, queremos señalar que con los totales en la columna de la derecha estamos viendo los niveles más bajos de vacunación entre los grupos en los que estamos viendo las tasas más altas de contagio, hospitalizaciones y ahora muertes. Estamos muy preocupados por estos bajos niveles de vacunación entre nuestros residentes afro, afroamericanos y otros adolescentes y adultos jóvenes a medida que el contagio continúa aumentando. Instamos al cumplimiento total de requisitos de uso de mascarilla en interiores para que podamos volver a, re, volver a reducir las tasas de propagación en la comunidad. Disminuir el contagio no solo protege a los residentes vulnerables no vacunados, sino que también reduce las posibilidades de que haya más mutaciones que pueden resultar en más variantes infecciosas que evaden la protección de nuestra vacuna. Next slide, please. Para cerrar estas brechas, debemos continuar los esfuerzos por, para, porque sea lo más fácil posible vacunarse para los residentes que están en los grupos aprobados para recibir la vacuna del Condado de Los Ángeles al ofrecer vacunas en muchos sitios diferentes en todo el condado. Como puede ver en este mapa, esta semana hay 771 sitios que ofrecen vacunas, incluidas farmacias, clínicas, sitios comunitarios y hospitales, y muchos de nuestros sitios de vacunación están concentrados en, en las áreas que han sido duramente afectadas por la pandemia. Como recordatorio, puede obtener vacunas en sitios administrados por el condado, todos los sitios administrados por la ciudad de Los Ángeles, Ángeles, casi todos los sitios móviles y muchos sitios comunitarios sin una cita previa. Muchos sitios abren los fines de semana y tienen horario nocturno. Visite vacunatelosangeles.com para encontrar un sitio cerca a usted. Next slide, please. Hemos continuado con nuestra estrategia para mejorar el acceso a las vacunas al hacer que los equipos móviles de vacunación lleven las vacunas a los vecindarios a los vecindarios para llegar a las personas que pueden tener, tener capacidad o tiempos limitados para llegar a uno de los sitios de vacunación establecidos. Los marcadores azules en este mapa indican los 329 sitios donde nuestros equipos móviles ofrecerán vacunas esta semana que se concentran en estas áreas de mayor necesidad y más afectadas. Los equipos móviles de vacunas están trabajando con empleadores y organizaciones comunitarias para proporcionar vacunas e información sobre ellas en lugares convenientes donde se reúnen los residentes. Hay un formulario en el sitio de internet para solicitar un equipo móvil y alentamos a los empleadores y organizadores de eventos a que nos avisen cuando quieran albergar un equipo. Tenemos sitios instalados en tiendas minoristas, parques, centros de recreación y muchos otros lugares de reunión en todo el condado para que sea lo más fácil posible para los residentes vacunarse. Next slide, please. Una pregunta importante que tratamos de responder es cómo este aumento de transmisión en el condado de Los Ángeles está afectando a personas con diferentes estados de vacunación. Lo que ve aquí es una ilustración esquemática que, aunque no está a escala, pretende explicar las diferentes formas en que miramos los datos para res responder diferentes preguntas. 
En esta ilustración, el cuadro verde de la izquierda representa a las personas completamente vacunadas, mientras que el cuadro naranja a la derecha representa a las personas que no están completamente vacunadas. Mientras tanto, los recuadros blancos dentro y superpuestos a los recuadros grandes representan casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes que ocurren en una mezcla de personas que están completamente o no completamente vacunadas. La forma de ver los datos y la manera en que los hemos examinado durante las conferencias de prensa anteriores es observar a todas las personas en el cuadro verde de personas completamente vacunadas y contar el número de personas en las cajas blancas, casos de COVID, hospitalizaciones y muertes en este grupo de personas completamente vacunadas. Analizar los datos de esta manera nos permite ver qué también protegen las vacunas de casos, hospitalizaciones o muertes se encuentran entre las personas completamente vacunadas en comparación con la proporción de esos mismos resultados que se encuentran entre las personas que no están completamente vacunadas. Para poder responder qué proporción de nuestros resultados está ocurriendo en personas completamente vacunadas, en comparación con las personas que no están vacunadas, en su lugar podemos mirar a todas las personas en cada una de las casillas blancas que fueron identificadas como casos, hospitalizaciones o muertes por COVID-19 y se componen de una mezcla de personas vacunadas y no vacunadas. Luego podemos contar el número de personas vacunadas completamente y no completamente vacunadas en cada grupo y luego para, para cada resultado comparar qué proporción estaba o no completamente vacunada. Las siguientes diapositivas analizan los datos de, esta, de estas diferentes formas para responder a estas diferentes preguntas. Next slide, please. Primero está este cálculo de la proporción de personas completamente va vacunadas que dan positivo, son hospitalizadas o lamentablemente fallecen debido a COVID. Este gráfico que se ha mostrado anteriormente presenta estos números en el condado de Los Ángeles y tenga en cuenta que los círculos no están a escala. Observando las pruebas positivas en el grupo de más de 4,8 millones de residentes del condado de Los Ángeles que alcanzaron el estado de vacunación completa desde el momento que comenzamos a vacunar en diciembre hasta el 20 de julio, identificamos a 6,520 personas que dieron positivo por una infección por covid que contrajeron más de dos semanas después de haber sido vacunadas por completo. Queremos señalar que este es un aumento del 58% de los aproximadamente 4,100 casos posteriores a la vacunación que habíamos detectado la semana pasada. Este nuevo número se traduce en un 0,13% de las personas totalmente vacunadas que dieron positivo en la prueba frente al 0,09% de la semana pasada. El aumento de hospitalizaciones entre las personas totalmente vacunadas fue mucho menor, de 213 a 287, es decir, de 0,0045 al 0,0059% de todas las personas totalmente vacunadas. Y las muertes en este grupo también aumentaron de manera menos dramática, de 26 a 30, y de 0,005 a 0,006%. Next slide, please. Ahora veamos la propagación de personas vacunadas completamente y no completamente vacunadas entre los casos. 
Este gráfico de barras muestra la proporción de resultados positivos de la prueba COVID de cada mes en casos no vacunados y parcialmente vacunados, representada por las porciones naranja de cada barra y la proporción de resultados positivos de la prueba en casos completamente vacunados, representada por las barras verdes mucho más pequeñas en la, en la parte superior de cada barra. Desde febrero de este año, cuando las personas completamente vacunadas representaron menos del 0,5% de los casos, el número total de casos positivos ha disminuido sustancialmente a medida que se vacunaron millones de residentes. Mientras tanto, a medida que más personas se han vacunado, la proporción del total de casos que se encuentran entre los vacunados también ha aumentado. Esto es de esperar porque a medida que se vacunen más personas, aumentará el número de personas totalmente vacunadas que se infectarán. En junio, las personas completamente vacunadas representaron el 20% de todos los casos diagnosticados entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles, mientras que las personas no vacunadas y parcialmente vacunadas representaron el 80% de los casos. Queremos señalar aquí que si el 50% de nuestros residentes que están completamente vacunados no estuvieran vacunados, no solo existirían las partes verdes, sino que las porciones naranjas de estas barras serían mucho más grandes, quizás el doble de tamaño, porque todos en cambio habrían tenido el mismo riesgo de infección que las personas no vacunadas. Next slide, please. Con este gráfico, que es una versión actualizada de un gráfico que el doctor Davis mostró la semana pasada, muestra las tasas de casos entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles vacunados y no vacunados. Como puede ver, durante las últimas semanas las tasas de casos han aumentado vertiginosamente entre las personas no vacunadas. Si bien los casos también están aumentando entre las personas vacunadas, este aumento es mucho menor y mucho más lento que en las personas no vacunadas. Las personas no vacunadas tienen más de cinco veces el riesgo de infectarse que las personas vacunadas. La tasa de casos de nuestro condado probablemente sería mucho más alta si no tuviéramos tantas personas vacunadas. Estamos muy agradecidos con todos quienes se han vacunado porque nos han ayudado a reducir el contagio potencial. Next slide, please. En esta diapositiva puede ver las tasas mensuales de infecciones, hospitalizaciones y muertes por cada 100,000 personas entre las personas totalmente vacunadas y no completamente vacunadas durante el mes de junio del 2021. A lo largo del mes, la tasa de infección entre las personas completamente vacunadas fue 27 por cada 100,000 personas, mientras que fue de 125 entre las personas que no estaban completamente vacunadas. Vimos diferencias similares en la magnitud de las tasas de hospitalización, que fueron 2 por cada 100,000 personas completamente vacunadas y 11 por cada 100,000 personas que no estaban completamente vacunadas. Y el patrón persistió en las muertes donde las tasas fueron de 0,1 por cada 100,000 personas completamente vacunadas y de 0,9 por cada 100,000 personas no completamente vacunadas. El último año y medio nos enseñó a temer los tipos de aumentos en, en los casos de COVID que estamos viendo ahora, porque las oleadas de casos siempre se han traducido en oleadas de hospitalizaciones y muertes. Todavía no está claro si vamos a ver el mismo patrón con esta ola, en parte porque nosotros como población ahora somos diferentes. Más de la mitad de los residentes de nuestro condado, incluidos los más vulnerables a los peores efectos del virus, están ahora completamente vacunados. Y lo que hemos visto en otros países con 
países con tasas similares de vacunación es que han experimentado un aumento en los casos atribuidos a la variante Delta, la vacunación generalizada puede alterar el patrón habitual esta vez. En el Reino Unido, donde el 54% de la población está completamente vacunada, se diagnosticaron 700 casos al día, es decir, una distancia sorprendente de los 800 casos diarios observados en el pico de la oleada invernal del país. Y sin embargo, la tasa de mortalidad de la nación es casi una trigésima parte de lo que era en el pico de la pandemia en esa nación y las hospitalizaciones también son relativamente bajas. En Israel, donde el 58% de la población está completamente vacunada y los casos diarios han aumentado exponencialmente desde mediados de junio, las muertes diarias se mantienen en cifras bajas de un solo dígito. Algún nivel de inmunidad comunitaria parece estar protegiendo a las personas en estas naciones en su conjunto de los tipos de tragedias masivas que todos presenciamos anteriormente en esta pandemia. Esas son noticias esperanzadoras y una prueba más para nosotros de que aumentar las vacunas al nivel más alto posible en toda la población es nuestra manera de volver a tasas muy bajas de contagio comunitario. Next slide, please. Y si bien hay amplias pruebas de que las vacunas siguen siendo nuestra herramienta más poderosa para reducir la propagación del virus, la variante Delta a, debido a que es mucho más infecciosa que cualquier cepa del virus que hayamos visto antes, requiere que agreguemos eh, capas adicionales de protección para disminuir el contagio mientras trabajamos para aumentar las tasas de vacunación. La variante Delta no solo es mucho más fácil de transmitir a otros, incluidos los que están completamente vacunados, sino que junto con este aumento en la propagación comunitaria, surge la amenaza de nuevas mutaciones que pueden ser incluso más peligrosas que la variante Delta. Por eso se les pide a todos que usen los cubrebocas, las mascarillas, son una capa adicional importante de protección que dificultará la transmisión entre individuos vacunados y no vacunados. Las vacunas y las mascarillas trabajan juntas para protegernos. Si piensan esta pandemia como un evento meteorológico, las vacunas son como nuestros paraguas, una excelente protección en la mayoría de los días de lluvia. Cuando la lluvia se vuelve muy intensa, por ejemplo, durante la, una fuerte tormenta, también podemos protegernos con un impermeable. De la misma manera, con la transmisión intensificada, le pedimos que también agregue una mascarilla. Si bien las personas vacunadas pueden estar tranquilas cerca de la protección que le brinda la vacuna contra una enfermedad grave causada por COVID, todavía no podemos asegurarle que, dada la proliferación de la variante Delta, la vacuna lo protege de infectar a otra persona. De esto se trata realmente el uso de mascarilla en este momento, agregar una capa adicional de protección para evitar la angustia que proviene de transmitir el virus a otras personas. Next slide, please. El fin de semana pasado publicamos una nueva orden del funcionario de salud que requiere el uso de mascarilla en entornos públicos cerrados, independiente del estado de vacunación. Ha habido algunas preguntas sobre cómo aplicar esta orden en situaciones especiales, por lo que nos gustaría tomarnos un momento para responder algunas preguntas frecuentes. En las áreas al aire libre concurridas, pasear parcialmente encerradas por paredes, los virus respiratorios se transmiten más en el interior que en espacios abiertos al aire libre. 
Por esta razón, el requisito de uso de mascarilla se aplica en áreas parcialmente rodeadas de paredes de lugares al aire libre, como vestíbulos y puestos de concesión. En reuniones más grandes en espacios para eventos como hoteles o salones de eventos, se requieren mascarillas si los eventos son en interiores. Del mismo modo, se requiere cubrebocas en interiores en los lugares para profesar la fe. Y aunque no se requiere el uso de mascarilla en reuniones privadas donde haya personas no vacunadas o inmunodeprimidas, el uso de cubrebocas universal en estos escenarios es la mejor manera de proteger a todos. Mientras tanto, si están en el grupo aprobado para recibir la vacuna pero aún no ha sido vacunado, por favor considere vacunarse ahora. A medida que nos acercamos al comienzo del año escolar, la mejor manera de prepararnos para reaperturas escolares exitosas es vacunar a la mayor cantidad posible de adolescentes. En este momento, solo el 39% de los adolescentes de 12 a 17 años en el condado de Los Ángeles han recibido una dosis de la vacuna. Si su hijo o hija adolescente recibe su primera dosis hoy, estará parcialmente protegido en unas pocas semanas y completamente protegido a principios de septiembre. También queremos hacer todo lo que podamos para llevar las vacunas a las comunidades que las necesitan y tener un sistema sólido de clínicas móviles que, pueden, que pueda invitar a su lugar de trabajo, casa para profesar la fe o evento comunitario. Para solicitar una clínica móvil, vaya al enlace que ve en esta página o haga clic en recursos adicionales en la parte inferior de nuestro sitio de vacunas. Luego haga clic en buscar un proveedor de vacunación para su organización. Las vacunas no son perfectas, pero como les hemos mostrado hoy, son una excelente protección contra COVID. Elegimos a diario protegernos con métodos imperfectos. Por ejemplo, aunque los cinturones de seguridad no evitan todo lo malo que puede suceder durante un accidente automovilístico, son una protección lo suficientemente excelente como para que todos los usemos de forma rutinaria. No tendría ningún sentido dejar de usar el cinturón de seguridad solo porque no previene todas las lesiones para accidentes automovilísticos. De la misma manera, rechazar las vacunas COVID-19 porque no ofrecen una protección al 100% es ignorar sus poderosos beneficios. Sabemos que esta no es la única barrera para muchas personas y que todavía circulan muchos rumores y mala información sobre las vacunas. Para obtener respuestas a algunas preguntas comunes sobre las vacunas, puede visitar a su médico de atención primaria o visitar nuestro sitio de internet. Next slide, please. Debido a que estamos muy agradecidos con todos los que hacen su parte para protegerse a sí mismos y a sus comunidades, continuamos ofreciendo regalos de agradecimiento a los residentes que vienen a vacunarse. Queremos expresar gratitud a los muchos socios que trabajan tan duro para mejorar la cobertura de vacunación en nuestro condado. Agradecemos el apoyo de nuestros equipos deportivos, lugares de eventos y atracciones locales para ayudar a alentar a quienes aún no están protegidos a informarse y vacunarse. Desde mañana hasta el próximo jueves en los sitios de vacunación administrados por el condado, los sitios de la ciudad de Los Ángeles y los sitios del Centro Infantil y Familiar de San John, todos los mayores de 18 años que vengan a recibir una vacuna tendrán la oportunidad de ganar uno de los siete paquetes de boletos para una gran variedad de conciertos presentados por A. AEG. Agradecemos enormemente la generosidad de nuestros aliados de AEG con su apoyo. Siete afortunados y muchos de sus amigos disfrutarán tanto de la protección mediante la vacunación 
como de buenos conciertos en un magnífico lugar del Condado de Los Ángeles. Consulte las reglas oficiales en el sitio de internet del condado para obtener más detalles. Y durante la próxima semana, tómese un tiempo para ir a vacunarse. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.